Never say never. <laughs> Ever. Never say never. This is what I am learning. And I think the Lord's latest installment of that little lesson was coming back here to a place that I, I said I would never step foot in. But after I've seen the good work that my good friend and pastor Mike has done here, what you don't know is that, that I spoke with him on the phone through all of his hardest times here. What you didn't know is how much I prayed with him, wept with him, and stood with him in the darkest moments he has ever had. And that's why I'm here. The Lord, the Lord knows that I am one to say never. And He has taught me not to say that in sports. He's taught me. That's where He started. That's where He started. He says, Rip, you've got to get rid of this. I'm still given to that now and then, but I know this is my latest and probably maybe even the last time that I will say that. My wife is sitting here laughing at me. I know this for sure is that He is full of surprises. How many of you have had surprises just in the last little bit about what the Lord can do? Hmm? Isn't that cool? And there was a time when I thought, you know, the Lord is... Uh, you know what? And I want, I want to interrupt my own thought for a moment. Uh, you didn't know where I was going anyway. Uh, he, he can change. He can change the plans in your life anytime He wants to. And that's why I never say never, ever again. I just don't want to at this point because it robs him of the sovereignty and the joy of spontaneity that the Holy Spirit brings into our life from day to day. Just to catch up a few things over the last four years, there was a day, it was on the day of prayer, the National Day of Prayer, that first couple of days in May, you know, it usually snows or it's really cold on that day. Uh, standing by the cannon in Memorial Park with other pastors in Boyne City, and I was speaking to a pastor, and I was just highly irritated inside with, and it was a godly irritation. You know, he does that. You know, read the story of Samson, you know that God irritates people to get them going. I was just totally frustrated with my ability or inability at that point to have a particular entry into homes of people that were suffering. Because at that time, I'd only bump into them on the street or I would you know, speak a word of healing to somebody and God just loves that. You know, I was a wrestling coach for three years over in Boyne City and and, you know, speaking a healing word to kids, and they'll say, I'm still not going to wrestle. I said, I know, but I'm going to see you at practice tomorrow. Because their faith wasn't very strong, but after the Lord healed them, they were doing pretty good the next day. The Lord loves to do things like that. Well, it was, it was not 48 hours after my feeling that on the day of prayer and asking, God, do something, please. I, I can't stand not being out of touch or in a place of ineffectiveness for people that are hurting, people that are needy, needing the Lord in their lives. And so it was 48 hours, and I got a call from 
It was from Diane Dennis. I don't know if you remember the days. Many of you do, but some of you that are newer here in the last couple of years, that uh, she and her husband Mike had pastored for 14 years at the Baptist Church up the road at, at uh, First Baptist across from the post office. She is uh, deputy administrator in, um, in probate court. And she calls me on the phone and she says, Rip, what are you doing? Why are you calling? <laughs> and she asked me if I would be interested to work in family court and probate, juvenile probate. And since that time, I've seen the Lord do some pretty, pretty powerful stuff right in the middle. Uh, what you don't realize is that probably 90% of the people working in our unit, of all the people there, overwhelming majority, almost all of them, are born-again Christians. Ask Lawrence and Sandra. They know. They are also in that unit. God is at work in places where we don't know. We just sometimes take for granted what God is doing. But we are living in dark days. Do you know and are you convinced that we are living in the last days and that Jesus could return at any moment? You don't have to turn on the news. You don't have to see it in your own society. It was ten years ago when my wife and I were here, we were here 11 years ago, and someone who had been in the church for a long, long time looked at me and said, there, there aren't people like that here in Charlevoix. That stuff doesn't happen in Charlevoix. I was kind to him, but I just let him know that it's at work where you don't know. There are neighborhoods in this town, one in particular, where I, I sat in a car when I was on duty and I watched people come and go out of a duplex that was riddled with drug addiction. People coming and going for drugs right under the noses of good citizens like you and I and the police. And that's not to say anything bad about our police. Scott being my second cousin, I'm rather loyal to what he does over there in the police department. But it's been pretty neat over the last few years to see what God's been doing. When the times get dark, you've got to know that we being salt or light, we do not have to go to seminary. We don't have to take a training course. We don't even have to be fasting and praying and even in devotions for three hours every morning for the Lord to just like that say, I want you to do this, do it, and it's done. We are living in a day and age right now of what I call accelerated harvest. Accelerated harvest is spoken of as a last day's promise to Israel through the prophet Amos. And this past week, I've just been stirred in my heart. You know, Pastor Mike, he, he does the great thing of sending me a, a text to try to encourage me. And, and it's like, oh man, I, 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 I wish I knew what the Lord... I, I think I know what He wants me to speak on, but I just kept feeling like there's more, God. There's more, there's more. And I, didn't, I knew it was for this church, but it's also a, a word to the greater church of God at large what he spoke to me one morning. I mean, just, just that clearly he spoke to me. And, you know, the, 
just like any other time he's spoken to me, only this time it was in a different place. We do not necessarily have to be in that place that we're used to being, nice and comfortable and and uh, in a place where we deserve God to speak or even expecting because we've done something. If you follow what I'm saying, I'm scooting around a little bit here this morning, but stick, stick to it, I'll get there. Think about John on the Isle of Patmos. He received the greatest word of the Lord to finish the Bible with. The book of Revelation. He was a prisoner. He was in his old age. He wasn't going to be put to death for his faith, but he was on the Isle of Patmos. And he says, it was the Lord's day and I was in the Spirit and the Lord spoke. And he says, his voice was like many waters and he spoke. Do you think John had even a clue what God was going to do even ten minutes into that? No, he was just carrying on with his normal devotional life. It was the Lord's day and he was in prayer and he was in the Spirit. In a like manner, you and I can be going through our everyday life where God has placed you. Even when you think that the Lord isn't going to do a thing, boom, there He is. And so here I am on a, on a bus of kids um, in our unit. We call it Recovery High. We have, we have uh, uh, a route. We drive around the lake to foster homes, picking up kids, dropping off kids, taking them to school, bringing them to school, back to town. And, and, what, and what we have is just a busload of kids. I'm there, I'm there uh, riding shotguns, so to speak, uh, just to make sure they behave. I'm a compliance officer. That's one of the steady things I do. But I'm right in the middle of all these kids that are drug addicts. Some of them get on the bus their first day, and they're still high on heroin. They haven't been sober in two or three years. And they get on. And our, you know what our youngest one is right now? He just turned 13. Two of them just turned 13. They come from other counties and they send them in. And they are, they are struggling to get free from drug addiction. And so I'm there to make sure. And you know what? We have, we have bad days on the bus. <laughs> i got to tell you. We have bad days. But it's an opportunity for me to be there. And they say, oh, you can send us to detention. I said, I'm here to keep you from going to detention. That's my job. And I let them know I'm on your side. Yes, I wear a badge, but I'm on your side. And they understand that. So we were coming into town. This was on Thursday morning. And I had this feeling that there was all of a sudden I heard from the Lord. He said, threshold. There have only been a couple times in my life when the Lord said, threshold. And so all of a sudden I heard the word threshold and I'm thinking, this is pretty cool. I think I'm going to... I love iPhones. They're fun little toys. They're really a useful instrument, you know. Uh, kids use them for Facebook. I do too. They use them for texting and Twitter and all that stuff. Times are changing. I got out my notepad on here. I've never been one without the iPhone in times past to carry a notebook. I'd have to keep it to memory, and God knows that I'm a little bit older than that now to remember everything I should. Uh, so you know, try, try being senile and ADHD at the same time and see where that gets you. You know, that's a mess. So I, I pull out my phone here, and we're sitting in the Glens parking lot at about 7.30 in the morning waiting for one of our foster parents to get there to meet with us to bring the kids on the bus. Well, the kids that we've got, there's only four guys and they're, they're snoozy. We pick them up at five minutes to seven. And they're snoozy, so they're like, you know. One of them actually catches spiders. He does, and all the kids laugh at him, and he snorts now and then. 
it's the most peace the kids have had in the last two or three years of their life, even though they don't like being there and they're pretty miserable. The Lord spoke to me a word from Amos 9 that I want to share with you. This isn't part of the sermon, but it is. Um, I want to share this with you because this just lit me up. Larry, you got 913 up there? Okay. So the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. You do know that's a promise. You do know that's a promise from God. Are there any promises that God does not keep? Before I read the Word to you, I just want you to know this, that as we come closer to that moment when Jesus takes us up to glory, we've got all these promises out there that are going to get crunched in time-wise. That's why I call it accelerated harvest. There are times when, in times past, we've had this thing called time-lapse photography. Do you remember that in the sixth grade? I do. Seventh grade, actually, Mr. Milner, and he says, I want to show you something really cool this morning. Uh, Mr. Milner was cool. you got to know him. Does anybody know who Lee Milner is? Yeah, my wife does. And, and he says, I'm going to show you this, this uh, documentary on time-lapse photography. And I remember this. I, I don't know what kind of flower it was. It might have been a daffodil in the springtime. But they had a camera on it, and they were taking time-lapse pictures of it. And it was, it was something of, of a green stem coming up with a bud on it. And it came up out of the ground really slow like this. And then all of a sudden it opened up and boom! It was full bloom. Just that quick. Okay, you know what? I, you follow me on that? Okay. We are coming to a time in human history where acceleration must take place if God's promises are true. Have we seen anything close to this yet? The days are coming, declares the Lord. Ooh, there's a solid promise. He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. Okay, time out. We're going to get there. This is the word that the Lord spoke to me as I was sitting on the bus sitting in Glen's parking lot on Thursday morning, Amos 9.13. You know it's so cool when you have Scripture hidden in your heart? It just pops. It's right there when you need it. I didn't have the whole thing memorized, but I knew where it was. And I, and I put it in on my concordance on my iPhone called Google. <laughs> Best concordance going. I don't have to carry all these volumes of books from my old school shelves, you know, from my old pastorly self. And, you know, I've got it all right here. This is what the Lord spoke to me. Check this out. The Lord wants us to know that there is an accelerating in the middle of this verse. There's an acceleration. If you look and say, when the reaper is overtaken by the plowman... There is an acceleration that the Lord is accelerating the cycle of growing and He's using that of planting, sowing, and reaping to show us how quick things are going to be accelerating in the harvest area of your life and mine. 
Some things planted long ago will be reaped quickly and furiously. Some things planted recently are coming up so quickly we have to move out of the way for the reaper. This is the time, the Lord says, the time to reconcile your labor for the glory of God. This is the time to work the fields with joy or the fields will work you. Plant with purpose. No longer haphazardly, but with earnest expectation. The day of fallow ground is behind you. The day of hope deferred is over, says the Lord, for I am the Lord of the harvest. I wasn't very good at watching the kids for the rest of the morning after hearing that. We are in a day where there's accelerated harvest. And we need to discern the day, the signs of the times. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 16, verses 1 through 13, or 1 through 3, or you can just sit and let Larry do the turning for you. The days are coming, excuse me, <clears throat> the Pharisees, <clears throat> thank you, Larry. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. And this is where Jesus really got upset with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those guys that were always hounding him to try to prove that he was not the Messiah. And he was really upset. And he says, woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites. That's in another version. But he calls them hypocrites. He says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. He says, you can interpret what's going on today, but you have no idea the context of the day in which you're living. Now, when I see that, I also can feel not the, not the, the blasting of God towards the Pharisees, though they deserved it. Many of them did get saved, by the way. They did. Many of them. But what, can you see the importance in that last line? You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. That is an encouraging word to you and I to keep our ears to the track, so to speak. Do you know where that little phrase came from? It's when we were kids, and Bob will remember this, when we were little kids, we'd put our ears to the railroad track and listen for the train five miles down the tracks. This is what the Lord wants us to do today. And you might say, well, how can we really know the signs of the times today. You have no excuse if you have internet. <laughs> oh my goodness, are we ever connected. OMG, we are so connected on the internet. <laughs> I make no apologies for being on Facebook. I use it to preach the gospel. I use it to stay in contact with my friends just like anybody else. But I don't complain. I hate complaining. There are some people that complain continually, and that's when I share a word of the Lord to them. Thou shalt not complain. You want things to get worse? There is no excuse for not knowing the signs of the times today in which we live. 
When you read what Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, in the last days there will be perilous times. When you read in Matthew 24 and 25, when Jesus was saying, this is what the last generation is going to look like. When you read all of those other prophetic moments that, that Jesus and later on that Paul and some of the others and even Peter was saying, this is what the last days are going to look like. And it looks a lot like today. For us to not know the signs of the times, we have to be half dead or not even in the kingdom. So, in order to, to know the signs of the times, I'm going to assume that we do. Amen? Wouldn't that be better for me to assume that we do? It would be better for you too. There was, there was a tribe of Israel... And this is back in um, in First Chronicles 12, verse 32, where some of the tribes were being numbered. Well, actually, just a report. It wasn't a deliberate numbering, but in in that in Chronicles it said the men the men of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I mean, you can stop right there. There was a tribe of Issachar. They were the smallest outside of Benjamin, were the smallest of the tribes of Israel. But they were noted for the men with wisdom and had their head in the kingdom of God in heaven at all times. They were spiritually discerning. Are you spiritually discerning this morning? Are you spiritually discerning? You want to know what's going on beyond the temporary of what you know, of, you know, I want to I want to see more than just that which I can lay my hands on. But even more important of discerning the times, you catch the second part of what they're noted for doing. They knew what to do. And so I want to share with you this morning some things about knowing what to do. I want this to be not entirely a prophetic, prophetically arranged in my message to you this morning, but some things that the Lord is laying on my heart for you is that there are some things that we need to rearrange in our lives when we know that we are living in a day when Jesus could come back any day. I'm not talking about getting rid of all the sin and getting rid of all the things that maybe hold us back like Paul calls them besetting sins. They're not what Catholics would call a cardinal sin. I'm not even going to get into that, but we live holy lives. Walk in the holiness that God has given you. I don't even want to touch that. Because we're above that. It's still very, 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 very important that we have our lives rearranged. But I want us to do this. If we, if we know what we are to do, we arrange our whole lives toward it, don't we? Give you an example. We're coming into vacation time. For those of you that have just come back from Florida. Hi, Brenda. Um, good to have you back, sis. Good to see you again. You never thought I'd be here either, did you? (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Lord. When you're preparing for vacation, don't you for like two weeks just go nuts about what you don't want to leave behind? Some of you are like that. I am. I planned a vacation for my wife. My wife and my kids, I thought, you know, we'd never done this 
really did it up good. We've done camping trips before, but, uh, you know, I remember one year, you know, buying the motorhome, refurbishing it, getting it all set up, and I spent, I spent like two months doing that and planning a route. I did everything, planned the whole trip, and it was the greatest time we ever had. It's because I was focused. Is your life focused for Christ? Focus. The men of Issachar were focused. They knew what Israel should do, not just their family. They knew what Israel should do. And guess what? The Lord put them because they had such a... I would even go so far as to say they had an anointing on them to keep Israel on track. And maybe even out of that bunch there were some prophets. I don't know, but I just strongly suspect that there were some men of Issachar that went around saying, this is what I feel that the Lord wants us to do. This is what we need to do. And they spoke out of wisdom. Just speaking out of wisdom. Not of thus saith the Lord. Just speaking out of wisdom. If we know what we are to do, we need to remain focused to it. Amen? Okay, do you know what you are to do? <laughs> the first thing is if we recognize that we are in, think about the scope of time. Think about the scope of promises that we have not seen take place in Scripture, such as some of those that might be a little bit hidden to us in Amos 9, where, where the, the plowman overtakes the reaper. That means, that means this, that there are going to be some things that are accelerated in our lives and we need to get ready for it. We need to be ready. Now I'm hoping to inspire you not to sit by the sidelines the last couple of years or however long it is to sit and say the rapture's going to happen, I'm just going to chill this one out. That's being unfaithful to the Lord. In fact, those that have been spending their focus on trying to dispel that myth, they say, of the rapture is because they accuse us who believe in it they accuse us of being escapists. We don't want to go through dead times, and what we're doing is we're ignoring an entire generation today that need to know about the Lord. In other words, they're calling us frightened and lazy. Oh, I love to speak to them. I bump into them now and then. And some of them are of, of kingdom now theology, if that means anything to you. But do know this, that before the Lord comes back, He's not promising that things are going to stay the same here in the good old United States of America. Do you understand that? Do you also know this thing called compressed time, where even in Revelation it says the devil knows his time is short, so he is loosed with a fury. When he is loosed with a fury, you can know that you're going to have attacks Things that the devil didn't even mess with you, he is going to now come against you with in a time when you least likely expect it. But do know this, that when sin comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against it. And that standard is not a system of quality. That standard is a banner. That standard was a banner. Understand that that's what that was. That when you were in battle... You look around and it gave you great encouragement in those days out on the battleground 
when you are fighting to turn around and know that your banner is still standing. It has not come to the ground because that's the first thing that the enemy wants to do. Is he wants to, when you're in a fight, is to take your confidence and your strength from you. And that's why the banner, the standard was so important in those days. It's for the soldier, one by one, to look back and say, we aren't defeated because our standard is still there. Keep fighting. We're going to win. God loves a good fight. People that paint a picture of Jesus being, you know, meek and mild and, and, you know, just going around and saying kind things to people. That's new age. They have not read the book of Mark. There's a book, one of my favorites. I think I gave it away to somebody, but it's called Jesus, Mean and Wild. And it's based as a commentary on the book of Mark. You understand what I'm saying? The Lord Jesus is a preacher. He is passionate. And He's passionate for you to go out and do what He was sent to do. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Woo! You know what that means? Everything Jesus did, you can do. And He even said, there's coming a time you'll do greater things. Now, when you look at those greater things, you can't look over the scope of the Bible and say, you know what, this is, this is what Jesus is going to do and any kind of a miracle outside of that is unbiblical. Wrong. It's just not mentioned in Scripture. Have you had some things happen to you that aren't mentioned in Scripture? Yet you know it was God because it lines up everywhere else. But the actual details of that incident did not line up with Scripture. In other words, it didn't happen back then. Jesus said that was going to happen. Don't tie the Holy Spirit down to doing just a few things that are mentioned in Scripture. And I say that, and if that riles anybody up, just go get your assurance in the last verse of John. It says, if all the books were written of what Jesus did, it's, I suppose that not even the whole of the world could contain them. There's a lot of things that Jesus did that's not even mentioned. We only have a few mentions of things to keep us going, to get us going, to build our faith and get our boldness in place. Locked in, bolted on, and ready to go. Okay. Get ready. I pray the Lord to accelerate things in your life. Accelerate. Accelerate. Because you know, as, as time is compressed, if the devil is loose to the fury, you've got to know that God is going to be true to His Word. The days are coming, declares the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this. Accelerated harvest. Think about this for a moment. <laughs> How many of you do gardens? Oh, there's got to be more than you out there. Okay. How many of you know what a garden is? Okay, we'll, we'll start with that. <laughs> for the non-responding ones. Yeah, I know what it is. Suppose this summer, this spring, spring get here yet? Uh, this spring, I'm out and I'm putting in a row of radishes. Okay, that's all I'm going to get done is my radishes and maybe maybe my peas. 
That's all I've got time for today. Just, just, just. I love peas. I don't like the kind of peas. She eats peas out of the can. Those mushy, ugly, icky. Does anybody like those kind of peas? I don't either, but I love them when they're when they're fresh or frozen and in butter. Yeah. Okay. You want to start that again? You know, those are the ones that come up rather first in your garden. You know, they come up and they mark the rows for you. Uh, everybody who does a garden, this is all I've ever heard: is that, oh, is your garden in yet? Yeah, I got my garden. The next day, a couple days later, we're having lunch again, and they'll say, is your garden coming up? Think about this for a moment. When the reaper overtakes the plowman, the times are coming, the days are coming, says the Lord. I want you to think in natural terms. This goes way beyond into the supernatural. We are talking about the Lord doing things. as Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. We know that. God is not mocked. We know that that's saying for negative things, but I, I've always looked at that for the positive. I am, I am so tuned to planting in righteousness so I can reap the supernatural. I so plant in faith so I can reap miracles, signs, and wonders. I am tuned to that. Since the day I came into this kingdom, I've been tuned to that. And sometimes it bothers me when others aren't. It's like, dude, don't you think? <laughs> Someday you're going to want to eat from that. What has been coming up right now in your life may have been planted ten years ago. Some things you have planted in your life, you have looked over, watered, and they just don't grow. You think, I'm giving up on it, and you walk away. Five, ten years later, boom, there it is. It happens. The Lord gave me a a really good picture of that when we were probably two or three years old in the Lord back in the early 80s. Suffice it to say, the Lord is now accelerating the harvest, or else uh, Amos 9 is not true. And so imagine this. You're planting your garden. Okay, you're going to put in a row, just two rows today, okay? So you worked a hard day, and you come home, and you just don't have the time, nor do you feel like putting in, but you're going to sow something. So you go out, and you put your two rows in, and then you go to bed. And in the morning, you're feeling pretty good, and you, you know, it's like, I'm feeling pretty good about what I did last night. How many of you do that? Sometimes you think, you know what, I really did something cool today, and, and so in the morning, you can't wait to go out and look at it, you know? That's a guy thing, I know. Um, but it's God-given. It's taking pride in your labors. And it's having expectation. Can you imagine going out tomorrow morning you know, you, to look at what you planted today and you can't believe it. But that what you have planted is not only sprouted and defying all of science, but it's also grown to full height and it's bearing its veggies and fruits overnight. Now, I'm not talking about garden gardens, you understand. I'm talking about your manner of living and lifestyle now. That we are coming into a day of accelerated harvest and we need to give manner of focus to what we are planting 
in this time where the Lord wants to do a quick harvest. Do you want Him to do a quick harvest in your life? Oh, then you better plant good things. You know, sometimes you walk away from doing something bad and you think, oh man, I really hope that doesn't come up at all. And in a time of accelerated harvest, it will, and right before your eyes. I believe that that's speaking of a time where the Lord pulls off His kid gloves with those who've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And He's saying, the time is short. We've got to get serious about what we are doing. Now, this is a little bit beyond the younger ears, but I'll trust that the Lord will touch them and bless them today. We are coming into this time. So we have to get ready. We have to understand that what we are planting has to be with diligence and purpose for the glory of God. That was part of the Word, that we have to reconcile our gardening with Him in our manner of living. So, Knowing the times in which we are living and knowing what to do. What ought we to be doing? We should have things squared away in our lives with God, first and foremost. First and foremost. There was a lady, she walks in prophecy. And it was a couple years ago over at Reign of Grace in Sheboygan, in in Boyne City. I get my merds mixed up. She said this. She says, we are in a time where the Lord wants us to have all things under the blood. All of it. None, None left sticking out. Everything reconciled. You know what that means? That means to me, at that time, it meant keep short accounts. If it wasn't for diligence, and I'm not, I'm saying this to the glory of God because I didn't know what was going to happen or where He wanted us to go, but it was very, very clear that I needed to work on some issues of forgiveness and the offenses that were committed against me. And if I had not done that, I had no idea the accelerated harvest would affect me and why we are here today. And I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to see what has happened in your midst here and what God is going to do. But you better be ready for it because it's going to be good. doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But just be ready for it. The accelerated harvest means we need to have our focus not just on ourselves, but we have to. I want to stretch beyond that and get into a little bit more advanced things such as this. Be ready for how accelerated harvest affects those around you. Be ready. You have prayed for people to be healed and they've been healed, but it took a couple years to do it, right? You have have prayed for people to be under a blessing and it's taken a while for that to take place. I believe the days are coming and are starting right now where we are going to see this. And everywhere I look, I see this, that whatever's planted is coming up quickly. It wasn't but just a couple years ago, I saw the Lord reeling some things in on people that they have sown in their whole lives in hypocrisy and all of a sudden, judgment. The Lord takes no joy in that, and I couldn't either. 
But the Lord alerted me to something that He is doing in the kingdom here on this earth is that He is now doing this. There are things that have been held secret that are being shouted from the housetops. Present administration. You might think, oh, wait a minute. I I can't believe all of this is coming out about our president in Washington, D.C. That's part of Accelerated Harvest, folks. Some things that he has sown are now coming up. And the Lord is not mocked. Don't be deceived. This is God at work. And so when I see that, I start getting little tickles of joy. And I'm going, wow. This is why I was troubled all week. It's like, Lord, I don't understand. I can't put a finger on this. It's accelerated harvest. And it's something I've been watching for the last four years. Whatever you have reaped, you will sow. Good or bad, take it for the good. But what is the one thing that the Lord is more focused on in the end times is this. He is not He is not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance through Christ Jesus. Everybody, He wants everybody to be saved. So who's going to do that? Who are the best evangelists? Who are the best evangelists? You are. Did someone tell you you weren't? You think Billy Sunday. Uh, Billy Graham. Uh, Greg Laurie. Uh, You've been watching too much TV. Do you know what this is? This is a church. It used to be we'd bring people to church to be saved. I used to tell my kids in the youth group years ago, you bring them to youth group and I will be at work. You watch. And I gave them the promise. All I was doing was not telling them who I was or even trying to walk in any kind of example. They'd bring the kids in and I'd lead them to Jesus. Led one girl to Jesus right in front of them, right on the, on the bus coming back from a roller skate. Cool. All of heaven partied that night and the kids got to be a part of it. But you know what they learned? They learned later on that youth pastor wasn't going to let them get away with just watching anymore. And what we did with a group of 20 kids was to bring them up to be soul winners. And after we left, the youth group exploded and went to about 120 kids, so much so that they had to make room in the church for them on Wednesday nights. Who are the best evangelists? You are. You are. Do you know what it takes? This. This is the most important thing for you and for me as being an evangelist. It's called the amazement factor. You ever, you know, listen to the lingo, the young folks know this. I'm speaking to the old ones now. If you ever listen to the lingo of the young ones, it's this. It's amazing. Everything is amazing. What I did today was amazing. What I do tomorrow is going to be amazing. uh, Oh, man, my cat sneezed. It was amazing. Most amazing thing ever on Facebook. Everything on Facebook is amazing. You know what Jesus wants? He wants us to be amazed with Him. 
Because when you're amazed with Him, guess what you're doing? You're telling everybody about how good He is and what He's done for you. And for the older saints here today, me being one of them, never lose your zeal. Romans 12, never lose your zeal. Keep the fire burning. Stoke it. Stir it. Poke it. But keep it burning. Never lose your amazement factor because that is how the Lord will use His people in this time of accelerated harvest. It's always been that way. Accelerated harvest. Today is the day of Pentecost, by the way. Did you know that? That today is the day of Pentecost? Right now, today? Historically, yes. But in keeping with the festivities of our Messianic friends in Israel, today is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was the first day of accelerated harvest in human history. Today is the day of accelerated harvest. And He wants the same amazement factor... Thank you, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, speaking in tongues. That gives you power. If you haven't spoken in tongues in a while, start doing that and watch what God does in your midst. If you haven't done it for a while, go do it on an elevator somewhere. Well, we don't have but two floors in most places around here. Let me, let me rethink this a little bit. Going down, yeah, just, just someday mention the name of Jesus and watch people turn around and look at you. And when they find out you're not cussing, they'll really watch you. The amazement factor works. The amazement factor is what the disciples, that's what they moved in. It's, what they, it's how they lived. So just to press the point for a few minutes here, and we'll be, we'll be out of here so we can go uh, through our day. Uh, would you turn with me to Mark 5? And let's start with verse 18. This is the man who had the demons called legion in him, in Gadarenes. He was the crazy man, and no one wanted to go around him. Jesus, he came running for Jesus, and Jesus released him, cast the demons out, and he went into pigs. Okay, remember the story? This is the end of it right here. As Jesus was getting into the boat, okay? That's all they were there for. They weren't there for lunch. They weren't there for anything. They were just going to go there and with, with Jesus stepped in and He says, i got to get the amazement factor going in this region right here. The region of Gadarenes, a place called the Decapolis, which was ten towns and villages, not unlike what we see in Charlevoix County and parts of Emmett County surrounding the areas of Walloon, Lake and Lake Charlevoix. That could be a Decapolis. Okay? Nice little place. Ten villages. And this guy, he, who just was set free, he goes to Jesus. He says, Take me with you. You've got room in the boat. I want to follow you wherever you go. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Do you long to see his face? Do you long to see what He looks like? The One who has given you good gifts? Don't you want to see what He looks like? The One who has been speaking to you? Yeah. Well, He saw Him face to face. And Jesus says, no, I want you to stay here. Be with your family and speak of the good things that God has done for you. 
Can you say amazement factor? He was amazed. Another one, Acts 4, 18 through 20, please, Larry. Fast forward, and now we have the book of Acts. Jesus has, has been crucified, risen again. He is ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father. And the Pentecost came. The disciples just got filled with the amazement factor. And here's what happened. They, Peter and John at the gate, beautiful. There's a man crippled, his whole life crippled. And, and he says, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And they looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to you. Rise in the name of Jesus. Take up your bed and walk. And so he got up and he not only rose up, but he just, you know, he, I mean, he was hopping and leaping and shouting. Now there's amazement factor. There's a price to pay for that. They had to stand before the tribune. They had to stand before all of the elders the Pharisees. And they called them in again, John and Peter, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. There is a spirit of Antichrist today in this hour that wants to stop accelerated harvest. And there is a spirit today that's telling you, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Do you know that we still have the amendment that says we have a right to free speech? Oh, separation of church and state. Preach. Preach. And this is what they said. This is the amazement factor. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help, and here's the amazement factor, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. One of the wonderful dynamics of fire is that it starts fire. It spreads. When the conditions are right, and it's very easy to provide those conditions, fire spreads. Be a fire starter. Be a fire starter. You are the best evangelist, and we are given to be evangelists. I've never been to seminary. Ask the man, ask the man who was set free from the demons, who by legend and by record in the book of Josephus that that man evangelized that whole area and many people came to Christ because of his testimony. Amazing. The amazement factor. You have no idea what one seed can do when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of it. But you've got to dig that seed out of your pocket. Oh, I'm the first one to say, I don't always feel like it. You've got to get over that because we're an accelerated harvest. We must work while it is yet day because the night time comes when no man can work. You do know that we're right on the edge and the sun is setting. Pretty serious, isn't it? So I hope what I've shared with you this morning is motivating. Maybe the Holy Spirit's quickening some of that. I pray it gives you hope. I pray you stoke the amazement factor. Stop being amazed by little things, but be amazed with God instead.
Be amazed at what He can do and still is going to do. He's not done with you yet. Look at me. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with me either. Get up and get going. How are you doing with the amazement factor this morning? Would you stand with me, please? Someone said this about Jesus one time, and he said that he compared Jesus to how he would play the game of baseball. And he would slide into second base with his spikes up, just like the old Ty Cobb used to, to take out the double play. He plays the game hard. Jesus does. But now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he wants you to play the game of life hard with purpose. And some of you are going to go into a place tomorrow where it's not cool to be a Christian. I know I am. But do know this, that the gifts of God, the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 are not for the church only. It's like the old orange juice ad. You know it's not for breakfast anymore? It's not for church anymore either. Use the gifts of God. We are coming into a purpose and a time where the Lord is going to excite and re-anoint and impart. Get ready for that. Be receiving of it. And you don't have to work for it. This is a day and an hour in which the grace of God is rising up in power in believers. Will you believe that? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Light fires. Light fires. Oh God, for this generation of young people that think that God is in the stories of the Bible are fables and not true. Lord, they have lost hope and had no hope to begin with. They can't reconcile that in their young, disturbed emotions. Lord, we have these all over the place. We have adults, God, who have served You years earlier and have walked away. Lord, I pray for a time of fire. On the day of Pentecost, there was a time of fire. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, a time of fire for this congregation, for this church. Breathe the breath of God into this church, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. You will not be stopped. Glory to God. There will be no longer any hindrances to the flow of the Holy Spirit. Lift up Pastor Mike and Chris in Jesus' name. I speak victory and power over them. In this time that they are away, may they know that God is only getting started. Hallelujah. Lord, for the one in the congregation who may be thinking, I think God just kind of, he, he never forgets, but just kind of turned away and is kind of ignoring me for a little bit here. Maybe I've done something wrong. I want you to know right now that in Jesus' name, the gifts and the calling and the love of God will never be taken from you. Rise up and walk in Jesus' name. Glory to God.
glory to God. Lord, you saved the best for last. You did that at the wedding of Cana. How much more so now before we go into the time of the last days. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we'll keep our eyes on you this week. We'll watch you. And Lord, I'm going to work on the amazement factor just a little bit more. Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you go.